You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today is the final episode of the Coaches series where I'm tackling the top coaches questions from around the globe. And we got some great topics that we're going to talk about in today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 22 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me here today on the pod. Um, For those of you that are new listeners, welcome. Um, I hope you are ready to learn. Um, There's a lot of episodes for you to get caught up on, but I'm sure uh, it's going to be fun binge watching them or binge listening to them, trust me. Uh, For those of you that are regular listeners, uh, thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate your time. And if you, again, if you like this episode or you like any of the episodes that you've heard in the past, do me a favor, rate and review the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Uh, five stars for good karma. And if you can, leave me a review. Um, I read the reviews and I really appreciate all the reviews that people have been putting in. And it's um, it's good to get feedback because at the end of the day, I do these podcasts for you, uh, my volleyball listeners who want to improve their knowledge and skills of our game, which is great. If um, any of you uh, have followed me on Instagram, I've been doing a lot of I mean, I, I guess I do a lot of Instagram posts in general, um, but you know, I, I do a little tutorial videos. I, I do a little analysis video sometimes on there. So um, follow me on the grams at Brian Singh underscore Coach B, where you can get some more information on volleyball stuff. And um, actually, I put together a cool little uh, resource for coaches. Um, it's a completely free resource. You can find it. I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes. Um, you can find it on my Instagram as well. And basically, what it is, it's um, you know, it's something that uh, it will help you with with passing and your players with passing. And I talk about two things in this free resource. I talk about this um, ideal of your sweet spot, which is the part on your platform that you want a, the ball to hit every single time. And then I, I talk about some strength training exercises that you can do to really um, help your body, or help rather your players' bodies, become normalized to that awkward, unnormal feeling of passing a ball right passing is not a normal motion for the body to to do so it's very uncomfortable and believe it or not we have to train our players to get used to that uncomfortable feeling of passing so i'll walk you through a couple things this is this isn't something you can find on youtube or google i wanted to give you guys a little bit of a different look on it it's stuff that we do in our gym and have helped uh well we've seen our players uh, benefit from it so it's a nice free little mini course mini resource for you coaches uh, to go to you can go to my instagram or you can go to coachbtraining.com and it'll say like coaches resource on there okay so that's coachbtraining.com it'll say free coaches resource or something like that all right well let's get started so today's episode um we're gonna tackle another bunch of topics i think i got i got three big ones i actually have four but two of them kind of tie in and it's um it's a really interesting question actually. I got it from a coach who wanted to know how 
do you deal with playing time? So that's one. And the second part to that question was, how do you motivate players who know they aren't going to play? Uh, really, really good question. So playing time. So coaches that are listening to this, I'm sure you have a smirk on your face when it comes to the conversation of playing time, especially when it comes to dealing with parents and their children and playing time. So I'm going to share with you my opinion and what I've done when I've coached club and how I've been able to be, you know, to I wouldn't say get away with it, but be very transparent and clear with every athlete and parent who's decided to join our team. So at the beginning of every season, we have a parents meeting, as I'm sure many of you do. And in the parents meeting, you know, we outline what the expectations are for the athletes, what our season looks like, you know, all that all the housekeeping items. And we also provide the parents with a player coach contract. And on the player coach contract, it outlines, you know, what the player is responsible for. It outlines things like, you know, playing time and all these things. And my philosophy is simple. Parents have these, this idea that, well, I'm paying for my kid, therefore they should be playing. And I, I understand where that's coming from, right? You're spending a lot of money on, on your kid and therefore you want to see them play. Now, there is a difference between house league and competitive sports or house league and rep or club. And house league, you're paying to play. You're paying for an equal opportunity to play on the court. That's what house league is. Club volleyball, rep volleyball, competitive volleyball, you are not paying to play. You are paying for the opportunity to be on a team. You're paying for the uniform. You're paying for the gym time. You're paying for the practice, for the learning, and the coaching. But you are not paying for playing time. You are, however, paying for the opportunity to be on a team where you could potentially earn playing time. But playing time is not a guarantee. It's not a luxury that we, unfortunately, you know, we, we don't have. So that is the message that I tell my parents. And I actually tell them this at the tryout presentation that I have before my tryout. I've talked about this in previous episodes. And I make it very clear. So when it comes to this ideal of playing time, the parents know well in advance, well in advance on what my expectations are and how I coach our team. So there's never, ever an issue on playing time. And if there is, I will then take the parent back to the player coach contract, which it outlines exactly what I just described, which has their signature and my signature and the player's signature. So at the end of the day, they know that playing time is not guaranteed. And they're prepared, and I, and I, I lay it all out to them, the parents being, I'm like, you need to be prepared to drive to a tournament and not see your child play the entire day. Obviously, we, we try not to let that happen. We try to get them in a little bit and round robin and stuff like that. But that's, that's what the reality is, especially when you get to the higher age group, 17, 18U, where winning is really what it comes down to as much as other things. But, you know, winning is a big part of it. And that's just the nature of competitive sports. You're paying to be part of a team. And here's the other thing. Now, this is where culture comes in. We take players on our team who don't, would ra like, let me rephrase that. The players that play for our team 
are players that have a team mentality first, meaning they don't care about their own success over the team's success. Of course, they want to get better and they do care about their growth, but they care more about the team's success. So when the ideal of playing time comes in, the the common pronoun you're going to hear is I, 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 I. And we don't want that. We want to hear we, team, what's best for the team. So if I don't play a player, they know that it was in the best interest of the team for that player not to play. Now, it, it's a very tough thing to get over. And it may not fly with certain parents. And I, w- I want to tell you a story, a quick side story here. So after explaining this at a tryout presentation, um, I had a parent come up to me and we wanted to discuss um, the opportunity of his son playing for our team. And I, I, I actually um, know his son because I've seen him play in the league before. And his son was a great player. And he he asked me, he's like, you know, my, my son's interested in, in playing for the team. I just want to, uh, you know, make sure that we're, we, it's a good fit for him. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, so um, would he be guaranteed a starting spot? And I said, on unfortunately no like I, I don't guarantee anybody a starting spot um, what happens is they go through training camp and after training camp we decide who the starters are going to be then but every player has to prove that you know they have the ability to be a starter whether or not I know that prior or not they still have to go through the the process to prove it and earn their starting spot and he's like wait a minute so if we sign then I, there's no guarantee that my son is going to start. And I said, well, to be quite honest, there isn't a guarantee. Now, I know your son. I personally think he's a great player, and I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't, but that doesn't mean that he, he doesn't have to earn it. And the parent, you know, straight up said, this conversation is making me feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, I apologize, but that's that's our culture. That's the way we do things on, on this team. And I would rather you know up front so that, you know, you can make the right decision for yourself and your, and your son. I, I don't want you to be... I don't want you to commit to a, a situation that you're not happy with. And he kept saying, this is very uncomfortable. And I said, yeah, no problem. You know, um, that's why we have this conversation before uh, we make, we select the team. So it turns out they didn't, they didn't end up uh, joining us and all the better too, because that's not the type of um, character we like on our team. Cause that's very selfish. That's not what we want. We want players who are going to be who are willing to put in the work. And again, what's in the best interest of the team. So, they ended up going and signing with another team. And side note, we actually beat that other team multiple times, which was really cool on, 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 that, on that front. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's, it's just what we do. So it's part of your culture. It's part of, of how you run your program. And if you can make it clear up front that that's how you run your program, you're going to have a situation where there's less... Um, problems and drama going down the road. Now, obviously, parents are always, yeah, yeah, for sure, it's fair play, ha, ha, ha. And then at the end of the day, sometimes you'll have that parent who's, who says, no, my kid should be playing. And, I, and I've had it happen to me too before. And, and all that happens is you, you tell them straight up, this is what it is, and they either respect it or don't. And if they don't respect it, that's their problem because there's only so much you can do, right? I, I don't tell parents at their jobs how to do their, you know, their jobs, so don't tell me how to do mine. It's really that simple. So that's, that's the playing time and parents bit that I think is really important. And I hope that I can help you coaches out there. Now, what do you do when it comes to motivating players who know they aren't going to play? Well, for me, I, I, make, you know, I, I make it very clear to all the players. And I, and I go back to that house league. The reason you're on this team is because you're, you're here for something bigger. You're here to be part of something special. 
You're here to be part of a team. And in my last episode, I talked about experience versus winning. If you did, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go listen to it because you'll understand what I'm talking about here. But they signed up for the experience and being part of a team. Playing is not necessarily... Um, as much as they don't want to hear it, it's not really what they signed up for. The opportunity to play, yes. And then, and then when, you, when you explain this difference between house league and league, and then you say, well, why do you play volleyball? Why do you want to play this game? Well, and they're going to say, because I love it. I love the game. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to get better. I don't, I'm like, great. Well, that's what we're here to help you to do. And at the end of the day, there's only six or seven players that are going to play and get consistent playing time because unfortunately that's that's how life works. And I always throw in the fallacy. I'm like, listen, if you know the fallacy of hard work leads to success, I'm not saying it doesn't, but that's not the only reason why you're going to be successful. And I say straight up, if you're going to a job interview and you know there's 30 people applying for that job and they're only, only going to select one person and every single person tries their hardest, all 30 applicants try their absolute hardest, are they all going to be successful? And the answer is no, they're, they're not all going to be successful because only one person makes the, gets the job. So hard work doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything in life. It's more of a, like a, pre, a prereq. You have to do it anyways. So <clears throat> the reason I'm talking about all this is because we, we talk to them about you know, why they're playing in the first place. They're there to learn. They're there to be, have fun, be part of a team. They're there to grow. They're, they're there to, for their own individual goals. And this is where the one-on-one comes in. So in the one-on-ones, you can lay it out right to your player saying, you know, it's, it's, and be honest with them. You know, right now you're, you're not a starter. Um, and you know, there's your, and I, I let my players know you're competing with, you know, these players for that starting spot. And, and normally like the players will know if the, if they're not as good as the other player, like it's not, uh, unless they're lying to themselves or they're in denial, like players generally know that yeah that that person is better than me, and if they don't, then they're not being truth to themselves, or they're not being honest with themselves. So in the one on ones, you talk about it and you say, okay, well let's 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 work with some goals. What can what can we do to help you? What are some of your goals, and let's work towards that. So for, for regardless of playing, you're setting individual goals for them, and you're gonna make sure that you work with that player to achieve those goals. So you know, in when it comes to skill based drills, don't just focus on your starters. Focus on every single player in the gym. Um, when it comes to wash drills and stuff like that, the focus may change, and maybe some of these players aren't even participating in those drills, depending on how many players you have on your team. But don't just focus on the starters and the skill-based drills. Make sure you focus on everybody so that you are helping the entire team, not just the starters. And once you start doing all these things, and I, you know it really comes back down to that culture. When I, when I coached club, we, we had a family team-orientated culture where we had players that knew they weren't going to play, but it didn't matter because they were with their, their teammates, they were with their friends, their family, their brothers, and they wanted to see the team succeed. And that, that was motivation enough that if I called on them, they were ready to go. And, and mind you, I'm not the type of player, or coach rather, that just has six players all day, every day. And I mean, unless they're killing it, but if they're having a bad game, they're coming off right away. I've, I've benched starters all the time, all the time, because they're not performing. I'll put in a bench player. No, I have no problem with that. I call, when, you're, when your number gets called, you got to be ready to go. And I used to do that all the time. And I'll have certain players that come in just to serve, just to, you know, your, your DS, your defensive specialist, just to do certain things. I have a player that just went in there to block one player and come back out. 
you know, late game in the set. Like lots of different things you can do. But the 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 fact is, and I think my my old, my big answer to this question I've been talking a long time about really is it comes down to culture of your team and understanding that your motivation to to play, right? Even though you're not going to play in a game, your motivation should be the team success, your individual growth as a player to get better in practice, to maximize those reps. And then the third thing should be just the competition. Try to outplay the player who has that position. That should be internal motivation by itself, the fact that there's another player who's starting over you. Go earn that spot. Get it from them. You know, work hard. Work smart. Utilize the coaches to your advantage. I always tell my players, Use me. Use your assistant coaches. We're here for a reason. Ask questions. Grow. Learn. Okay. You'll be, you know, it's, it's really surprising. Like, you, you make these speeches all the time and tell players to really ask questions and use me and, and go, go, go over and beyond to get better. And only a few players ever take you up on that. Right. Like, it's not, even though it's kind of like you're giving them the, the answer, they, they don't want to take it sometimes. Uh, and, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know. And, I was I was it was actually I was on a I was on a digital volleyball coaching call today and a player asked me or sorry a coach asked me rather they were like um, what was it about Danon many of you know Danon Kofi Gemma Danon played at UCLA three time All American um, and they also mentioned Micah Maha Micah Maha was a setter at UCLA uh, U.S. national setter he plays pro in France right now and like what well, what is it about those athletes that make them special. Like, why are they so good? But And besides the skill, everybody knows that Micah and Danon are extremely skilled volleyball players. But what makes them special is what they do when no one's watching. It's what they do outside of the court. You know, when Danon was in, was in club, this guy would text me all the time wanting to go over film, looking at film by himself, asking me questions all the time he would take it upon himself when he's at tournaments when his friends were hanging out you know chilling and you know, eating whatever doing their thing after when we're not playing he would be scouting other teams making notes on his phone and coming and talking to me about it like that and he's our and he not he's not just the best player on our team he was one of the best players in the country and he's doing that he was always the first one in the gym the last one to leave always why he's already the best player but he wanted to lead by example and that was the work ethic that he knew is what it took to win and to be the best micah same thing same thing micah is a student of the game he's always learning always looking at film when i would when i would go to ucla um in the winter time to to shadow john Sprott, my mentor micah was in the gym he was the first one in the gym getting setting touches in it was incredible his he was dialed in and it's little things like that that make such a big big difference so i would talk to my players about that too how to motivate your players that aren't going to play what are you doing when no one's looking what when no one's watching what are you doing off the court outside of practice time how are you getting better how dialed in are you have those conversations and, and maybe that might be the the like the ticket to get them to playing more right those are the kind of things and Excuse me. I do want to make a side note here. So one one um one thing that I was really really bad at. So as I mentioned, Danon was one of the best players in the country, best player on our team, 
by a long shot. It wasn't even it wasn't even a question, and everybody knew it. One thing that I actually realized, and it was it wasn't until eighteen U, but in games when Danian was playing and performing at a high level, I actually never told him good job, or you're you're doing great, or yeah, keep it up, or you know, I never, I never really. I for me it was just like it was. I always assumed that. Danon's Danon. He he's he's a great player. He knows he's doing a great job, and I made it I made it a thing to, to you know tell everyone else when they did a good job, great job. Hey, keep it up, keep it up. But I never told him that, and it wasn't until I think uh, I was getting on him for a game, and he's like, "You never you never see anything good about me. You always point out the bad." And I'm like, "Oh my god, he's right. I never say like good job to him. I just I'm always I always I have I always point out." You know things that he needs to improve on, but I never say the things that he's doing really well because I just assumed he knew it. And for the rest of that 18U with me and Dayton, I must have told that kid he did a great job every single time he touched the ball. Because I always, I, I didn't realize that he didn't know. I'm like, yo, Dayton, you're doing an amazing job. You're the best player in the country. One of the best players in the country. You're, you're amazing. I didn't realize that he needed me to tell him that. Maybe not I me mean, not tell him that, but you know, just motivate him, tell him good job, you know, re- acknowledge his greatness on the court. And I, I felt terrible for not doing that. And I work with this kid all the time. But at the end of the day, he's a high school athlete, superstar, and even they need to be recognized by the coach. And it was a really big eye open lesson for me. And um and every and every and, you know, and me and Dane obviously we have a, we have a great relationship. It was just it's just funny that he's like you never say anything good about me. And I was like oh man I'm so sorry. And and I made sure that he he was aware that listen I, I had a, I had a talk with him. I said listen I, you you know I think you're great, and you're one of the best players in the country. And he he was he was on he was on the path to be one of the best middles in the world, and he would have absolutely been, uh, but he's you know now he's been pursuing music and he's going to be great at that too. So tell your players your best players are doing a good job. That's my little side side note for you here. Okay, I've been going off on a tangent a lot on this episode. I apologize. We've only really talked about uh, one and a half type of topics here. Okay, let's talk about topic number three. The the one of the questions I got was the team your team can't side out no matter what. So coaches, you ever been in a position where you're in the middle of a match and you just can't side out no matter what you do? You can't side out. It's tough so there's a couple things you can do one what's the most obvious thing you can do coaches you can call a timeout absolutely so you call your timeout and in your timeout you got to be very specific in your instructions so what i would do is i would focus on what the server has been doing to put them out of system or to make sure you guys can't side out and let them know be aware of it and talk about a strategy to solve that so i don't know the, the he's spinning deep Okay, make sure when we go back on that court, we start deep so we're at least a step ahead of the game when they serve. We can hopefully get our platform behind the ball. Maybe the float is deep. Maybe, you know, so you could just pick out what they're doing and we can plan a strategy to make sure we can stop it. Now, if that doesn't work, you could always do things like shifting your passes around. So what you can do is if you you can have an opposite pass instead of a left side, you can mix up your three passes. You can do a four passing system if that helps. I I normally don't recommend a four passing system because then you're adding in more seams. It gets more confusing. Um, one strategy that I've used, um, and it actually works if you do it right, is so if you know that they're, let's say they've been serving to 5-1, right? Or sorry, uh, not 5-1. Uh, they've been serving to 5-6, so the 5-6 seam, so the left side of the court. 
Well, if you know that, you can shift all your players over to cover the left side of the court, leaving one wide open. So it's almost like you're baiting them to serve to one. Now, we do this for two reasons. One, if they serve to one, they, they change their serve, right? which is great because they're not doing what they were doing to get us out of system or not make a side out. And then, so now they're, now they're changing what they're doing, which is great, Put, like throw off their rhythm a little bit. And two, you know you're forcing the serve to one. So the player that's, for, that's closest to one, as soon as that server tosses the ball, they're, they're no longer looking at the passers consistently. That's when you step all the way over and take one when the server tries to go there. And what's going to happen is that because they're trying to hit one now and they're in such a rhythm hitting that 5-6 seam, this, the ball shouldn't be as fast as it would have been. It should be slower. You already have a jump on them because you're forcing them to serve to that one. And then it's just one-on-one. -on -one. It's server versus passer. And hopefully you can make that pass after deviating, after making the server deviate from his, you know, his serve that was in rhythm. And that should be an easier ball to pass. So that's kind of one strategy you can use. You can shift to a side to try to bait the server into going somewhere else. Okay? So timeout, strategize, talk about it. You can switch the passers and or you can go to four passers. And then you can shift to one side. Those are natural what you're going to do. There's not much you can do after that. I mean, your timeout, hopefully your timeout, you know, messes up the server's rhythm. Get a chance to take a breath get some water, strategize, go back. If that doesn't work, you know, switch out your passers. You go four passers maybe. If that doesn't work, shift to one side. You, you do that, I mean, there's only so much else you can do. All right, so those are, those are a couple things to help you there when it comes to siding out. And the last thing we're going to talk about is how to convey to athletes. So this is another question that I got from a coach. How to convey to athletes that making mistakes will lead to success? So basically enabling players to understand that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. So one word I'll tell you that what we have is there is no such thing as failure in our gym. There's no such thing as failure. Everything is learning. So if we lose a game, we didn't fail, we learned. Okay, if we had a bad practice, we didn't fail, we learned. Everything is learning. We had to change the language around winning and losing. We had to change the language. It's all losing is learning. And we can learn from a lot of opportunities. You can't really learn from winning. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. You probably can learn from winning, but you can learn a lot from losing. So, <coughs> excuse me. So setting the culture where it's a learning environment is really important because what that does is it fosters athletes to get creative and to not be afraid to make mistakes. You can't be afraid to make mistakes. I, I talked about this actually on, um, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was when I was training one of my servers to spin where I knew that it would take time to, to spin, right? To teach him how to spin. So the, I mean, really quickly, I won't get into it. I talked about it earlier, but we had a player in our gym. He came to tryouts. He had a tank of an arm. He had zero technique on how to spin serve, but us as coaches recognized that he would be one hell of a spin server when he finally figured it out. So we told him that he was going to spin serve, and he was excited. He was nervous, but he was excited. He's like, coach, are you sure? I, I can't spin serve. We're like, listen, you're spin serving for the rest of the season. You're never floating again. It's all you're doing is spin serving. That's all you're going to do. And he's like, okay. And he's like, but I'm going to make mistakes. We're like, great. Make them because you're going to learn from them. And eventually, 
you're going to be an amazing server. And that's exactly what happened. We allowed him to serve. We allowed him to make his mistakes. And even in games, when he got a chance to play, we told him to spin serve because we knew that, again, that's game experience that he was getting. And he was able to learn. And by year two, he was the best spin server on our team. He was guaranteed an ace a match, if not an ace a set. And by year three, he was one of the best spin servers in the league. Why? Because we allowed him to make mistakes. So you can even take that story and tell your players that this is why we we allow mistakes to happen is because the, 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 the end result is far greater than the mistake you're making now. And the only way, like the only way to be a great spin server is to make mistakes and embrace those mistakes and don't be afraid to make them because that's how you're going to really dial into your serve. And this is what they need to go, hitting, passing, all that stuff. So that's kind of how you would convey your athletes that making mistakes will lead to success because it will. It will. You have to learn before you succeed. You have to make mistakes before you succeed. It's that simple. And use that story. Um, and it's funny because like, man, he was he would hit the back wall all the time and he would look at us and we're like, that's okay. Do your thing. As long as you're not, as long as you're doing it with intent, I have no problem with that. And we told him, we don't want you to let off the steam of your hand. We want you to hit as hard as you can. Now, when he learned the technique involved in spin serving, along with that power, it was unstoppable. But we didn't want him to slow down the power to compensate for the technique, right? That's 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 a mistake. And so, coaches, listen to this: don't let your like if you're doing if we're, like specifically, we're talking about you know this the power of your spin serve. Don't um, take power off your spin serve to compensate for technique. No, 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 no. Technique will catch up to your power. That's what you have to train. Let your power stay there. Make the technique catch up to the power because when it does, look out unbelievable serve and i'm so happy we did we did that with that athlete because it was great and that's exactly what we're going to do with every athlete that comes through our gym we are going to take their strengths and really mold it by teaching them technique to make it an unstoppable weapon and that's how we treat all our athletes all right so that's kind of how um i would lead i would finish off with how to convey that athletes making mistakes will lead to success and it's okay it really is so with that, that finishes our series of the top questions from coaches around the globe. Coaches, I hope you got some value out of that. It was a lot of fun for me. I hope it was fun for you to listen to all these answers and, and well, basically my input and my, my, um, my direction on how to approach them. But the fifth and final episode of this series, which is, uh, which is great. Oh, man, it's great. I'm so happy that we, we got a chance to go through this. Uh, next week, I got a great episode for you. I'll, I'll give you guys a little preview of next week. Next week, I interviewed um, one of the best opposites in the world. He plays for uh, a pro team in Italy. He's actually the starting opposite for Team Canada, our national team. Um, his name is Shawan Vernon Evans, and it was a great interview. We, we talk a lot about the tactical, technical things of the position. We talk about his journey. We talk about what it looks like inside a pro gym, pro practice, game planning. It's really, really great. So you're going you're gonna to like that episode next week. Uh, but for now, I hope you guys got some value out of today's episode. Um, as usual, feel free to you know leave me a review. I really appreciate it. And reach out to me on the Instagrams, Brian Singh underscore Coach B. It's at Brian Singh underscore Coach B. 
Follow me on there. Got a lot of cool stuff. I always post some stuff on Instagram. I love it. Instagram is my favorite social media platform to really get to know my audience and engage with them. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. It used to be. Right now, it's a tie between this podcast and Instagram. It's a tie. I love both to be able to deliver some information to my audience. I love I love podcasting, and I do love my Instagram. And this is outside of Digital Volleyball Academy. Digital Volleyball Academy is on its own pedestal. That's like my first priority. That's my mentorship program. That's where I help coaches around the world really, really improve their knowledge and skills of the game. And I, and I get to be their mentor. I get to really help coaches, and I love help, I love helping coaches. Nothing makes me happier in this game than helping coaches get better because I know that if I help one coach, that's me helping 12 players. And I absolutely love working with coaches. So inside Digital Volleyball Academy, we've got some great coaches. Um, so hey, if, you're, if you are interested in um, getting to know more about that, just visit digitalvolleyballacademy.com and sign up for the waitlist. So when DVA opens up, you can join in and join my movement to help coaches really grow this game and get better. Uh, and then after that, I love my podcast and my Instagram. I absolutely love it. It's a lot of fun for me. Okay, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you again for joining in. I really appreciate it. You guys have yourself a great day. And we'll see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.